Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 174. What were they thinking? Recorded January 4th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP. Com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Howdy, guys. How's things been? I hope your New Year's and Christmas was excellent. And hello, Element Opie Land. We are so glad you waited for us. It's great to be back. Yes, we did miss a week last week, um, quite unintentionally. Uh, we were going to do a New Year's Eve show. It actually would have come out on New Year's Eve, uh, but that didn't happen because I got sick, as happens so often uh, around the holidays. You know, all the kids come home from school and bring all their germs with them. Um, and so I sent an email to the guys last week and said, I can't do a show this week because my throat sounds like two frogs humping in a storm sewer. So, uh, trust me, you would not have wanted to listen to me for two hours last week. As you may may be able to tell, maybe not. I'm still not quite in full voice, but I am way better than I was. I I don't know why, but sickness always attacks my voice. Uh, And, and, you know, it's not like I communicate for a living or anything, but all ever since I was a kid, anytime I get sick, I lose my voice, but I'm back now. How are you guys doing? Better yeah, than I'm I doing was pretty a couple good. weeks ago. <laughs> you two were sick. Uh, I, I kind of had the sicky bug, and then lots of family drama and issues, and now everything is slowly starting to calm down, and it's time to go back to work. Yes. How about you, <laughs> Seth? Ah, uh, yeah, I wasn't sick. I just, uh, you know, a few more, couple of more weeks of my boring life I can check <laughs> off now. So not much happened from the last time I had the show. But I've just about decided I'm I'm planning to go to Hawaii this year. So Hawaii. That's my goal. You have a yes. brother that lives there, right? Yes. So I've just got to come up with the airfare, and you know I'm a cheapskate, so that's uh that's a that's a hard thing for me to do. Part with that. Kind of money, but uh, when I checked the fares, it was like seven hundred and change to go. Anybody and, out there uh, in, our, in our audience work for an airline and can get Seth a, a deal on a flight to Hawaii? I know Hawaii flights are probably the hardest ones to get deals on, uh, but I'm sure he'd be willing to fly standby. You know, I mean, it, it was great to fly to Chicago that way, but I, as long as that flight is, I don't think I would like the possibility of having to spend a few hours at an airport somewhere. So I'm probably going to pay for the flight and just, you know, suck it up and spend some money on myself. Something I don't like to do because it's a new year. New me. That's right. I I used to work with somebody who, uh, who's had a family member who worked for, uh, Delta and they got the, I, I don't know what it is, buddy pass or whatever it is, but their whole family would fly for free. But of course you'd fly standby and they were five people in their family. Um, right. Uh, but they would not only fly, but fly first class for free. So, and, wow. and Delta also has some sort of thing with Disney. I don't know what the deal is there, but they got discounts there. So every time they had a break of any reasonable amount of time, they'd go to like Disney Europe, you know, and just go. Um, so that's, that's a nice life. If you can get it, frankly, I don't have it. Um, yeah. yeah well, neither. you know, we, there is someone in the audience who works for an airline and that's how I made it to the, yes. um, 
to the uh, Linux con. So, but you know, that was show related and unless somebody's just feeling real generous and wants to give me a couple of tickets to Hawaii or, you know, I even just really <laughs> need one. So, um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't ask for that, but like I said, if someone wants to give them to me, I won't turn them down. <laughs> Um, I do have an ask for the audience, and that is I, I, I mentioned it uh, last year. Uh, at some point in the past, I mentioned that a listener named Kaiser has been developing an EDL app with in, in-app commenting, um, and he, he contacted me uh, a few days ago and said he needs beta testers. So we need some some brave souls to uh, sideload an APK on their Android devices. Right now, it's only on Android. Um, and, you know, you got to trust this guy to not be mining your stuff um, and and play with an app that is probably going to be buggy. But he's reached the point where he can't he can't do any more without people banging on it. So yeah. uh, if you're interested, let me know. I will email you. Um, the link to the APK or the APK itself. Uh, I need to get a, a, an updated version myself. Um, but uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, Kaiser would appreciate that. And you, you can actually put your comments right in the app, which is awesome because that's what it's for. Um, the UI is pretty um, ugly right now, and that's okay. He knows that, and I know that. It's just it's a framework. It's scaffolding. Nobody complains that a scaffold is ugly uh, when you're trying to build a structure. So, um, you know, it's it's just unless place. it's an open source scaffolding competing <laughs> yes. with Windows, then yes. everybody complains it's ugly. Um, yeah. So, uh, just you know, I, you, you get what you get, right? It's a it's an in process app that's not working very well. But I need you to not just download it, spend a couple of minutes with it, and then give it a rating. I need you to actually spend some time with it. I need you to interact with it, listen to shows on it, um, uh, comment on it. I, I, we need people who are actually going to use it to generate some, you know, break stuff. That's the whole point of beta testers. Your job is to break stuff. Um, and also, if anybody out there has any uh, uh, graphic arts cred and would like to help with the UI and the graphics, that would be awesome, too. But anyway, that's the call that Kaiser asked me to put out there. We need beta testers. Just send me an email, mark at com. Let me know that you'd like to be a beta tester, and I will make sure you get a copy of the app. That works. Um, just a little yeah, post-holiday cool. revelry here. Um, i, I, I got to ask, guys, what was your best Christmas present? Hmm. Well, I'll go I first would, because I okay. really didn't get a lot of Christmas presents. Um, so my um, my dad gave me a jacket that was like a size too small. I had to return it. And my niece is baking me a pie. So that will be my best present when I get it. So not a go. big present. But, you know, I don't have a wife and kids to dote on me. So I just take what I can get around the edges. <laughs> Chris, do you have any comments? And uh, um, oh, and that sounded a lot more miserable than it was. <laughs> I wasn't like miserable. I just like didn't get a lot, so I wasn't. Uh, I know as I was saying, I was like, "Wow, this sounds sounds terrible." But, yeah, but it wasn't. It was fine because I hung out with family, and and that was cool. So cool. So yeah, I'm, I had a pretty good Christmas and New Year's time. Um, the nice thing about the whole. Christmas is, you know, my kids and obviously give me lots of stuff and my wife, but my, uh, my kids and my little brother got in on something and ended up buying me a polar loop, which I was going to buy after Christmas anyway. So that was kind of nice. So now I can, uh, see how inactive I am every day or <laughs> how active I become because they're the nice thing about this 
particular devices, it does do a um, a syncing every so often with your phone, so you can track your how active you're being and how many calories you're burning and steps you're taking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it also shows you in a graph over time how active you've become. So, like now that I'm getting ready to do um, some surgeries on my knees that I'll be able to actually track to see and I'll be able to show this to my doctor and saying, okay, this is my activity level now and this is what I want to be above when I've done. So it would be a nice training tool for me. All right. I don't know what a polar loop is. Uh, Obviously, it's a fitness thing. Is it like a Nike fuel band kind of thing? Kind of. It's like a Fitbit or um, not quite a smartwatch, but similar. It's Funny you should mention a smartwatch because that was my favorite gift of the year. My wife bought me a Moto 360 smartwatch, and I'm Ooh, showing on the screen jealous. there my custom jealous. my custom watch face that I made. Um, Darth Vader there. Uh, <laughs> jealous. Um, uh, you know the the common question everybody asks me is how's the battery life, and the answer as always is it depends. Um, yep. but. During heavy use one day, using it for navigation and, and stuff, which is super cool, it vibrates when you've got a turn and then gives you an arrow, turn left in, in 0.2 miles or whatever. Um, and and using uh, on that heavy use day, I only got nine hours out of it. Uh, and, and you know, had to, that, that would, wouldn't even get through a work day. My typical uh, day of use, assuming I take it off when I get home and don't want to use it at home, but yeah, I, I leave the house at, uh, you know, six thirty and get back at five thirty or six. So I need I need twelve hours, eleven and a half, twelve hours. Um, so that day, obviously, I would have been quite disappointed. Um, but every other day, I've gotten at least twelve hours, maybe fifteen hours. It just depends on what you're doing with it. Um, now, does that have the chi charging? So you can just set it on a hockey puck and it charges yes. it. Yes, uh, it comes with its own wireless stand. But I have actually bought a hockey puck. Uh, my my Nexus Five phone is also. Uh, wireless charging. Um, and I never realized how super cool that is. <laughs> I really love it. I'm probably going to buy several more there. I bought it on elmanopi.com slash Amazon for like 18 bucks. I'm a prime member, so it's free two day shipping. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to buy a couple more of those because they're super cool to just, to just drop it on the thing and go. And I've, I've tried, uh, this particular one I got is called the power bot. Um, and there's, there's lots of different versions, but this one, I, I can't make it not charge. I mean, I can just grab my phone and toss it on there, and it charges. Uh, so I hear people talk about orientation difficulties and, and that sort of stuff. I With this particular device and my and my two devices, nothing. I, I throw the watch on there. Even if it's not weighing flat on it, it starts charging. It's fine. So uh, wow. I'm very cool. happy with it. That's When I go to upgrade my phone or the next purchases I buy, I want to make sure that they have that Qi charging or wireless charging because that seems to be – you know, the coolest thing since sliced bread, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, that, and that I've heard people complain cool. that it's complain that it's slower than regular. I'm I, I'm not seeing that. My phone charges at, at pretty much the regular rate. So uh, my wife's new OnePlus One that I mentioned on a previous episode that yeah. I, I bought it doesn't have wireless charging. I thought they did, but they don't. Um, but I got to say, she is loving that phone. It's a big freaking phone. It's a it's a BAF <laughs> or BAP. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I've seen 
it, it just you know in my anecdotal experience the chicks like the big phones um and so i you know i took a gamble on that and bought her the big five and a half inch phone and and she's it took a little while to get used to it she's still a belt clip person imagine that welcome back to 1997 um <laughs> uh but she likes it because she can clip it onto the outside of her purse mostly um, but sure. anyway, um, she's loving it and I'm so jealous of her battery life. I mean, my next Nexus five gets fairly decent battery life. I get 11 hours routinely. Uh, she, she'll get to the end of the day with 68% battery left. Um, wow. And just, you know, she's on it all day, Facebooking and Pandoraing and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, get to the end of the day, end of a 12, 15 hour day with 68, 63% battery. Um, I hate her for that, but, uh, that so awesome. You know, some of that, they, there's some of those apps that I think part of their design is to suck battery juice. Cause I, um, I recently downloaded a word crack and trivia crack to play those. And as soon as I downloaded them, I can just watch the battery on my phone drain. And I used to get through a day with like half a charge left. And now, I mean, just had my phone setting beside me in service and the apps were even off and it was like 50% by the time church was over. And uh, I, you know, I don't know what happened. The only difference is my phone is like three days older and I've installed these two different games. (laughs) So in in that three days, um, or it's those two games that are just destroying. It's all the, it's all the phoning home. Um, right. I have mine yeah. rooted and have a firewall app on it, and I can right. tell a difference when I turn off the internet access to an app. Uh, I mean, it's a noticeable difference. See, I, and I've noticed it a big time. Uh, I installed the DirecTV app on my phone, and it I wasn't paying attention. And then all of a sudden, one day, I went from getting home from work and having 30, 40% battery life to having 10. And it was like, wait a minute. So I went and started searching, and man, the. I don't know what it is about the direct TV app, but that thing is a battery eater because it would burn my, it would, what was it? It was the number two on the most battery consumption wow. on the list. And I don't know well, what course, it was doing, but man, oh man, was it eating a bunch of battery? Well, of course, you know, I, I have the uh, perfect iPhone and so <laughs> you can't really root that right. um, legally. And, um, but what you are supposed to be able to do is close the app, and that's supposed to totally close the app. In theory, except yes. it doesn't yeah. totally close yep. the app. It, it. I guess it. I guess that's the uh, go incognito and suck battery or something because it's <laughs> it's awful. Uh, now is is that the is that the old five or is that the new six? Yeah, uh, it's the five. Yeah, yeah, the old five. It's it's at least seven months old. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Well, I don't have the fingerprint scanner, so I yeah. just have the I don't have the five so S. I just have the yeah, five. Yep, yeah, you yeah, then you do have the old five yeah. and not the new five. <laughs> what a world. Yeah, or wait yeah, a minute, no, this is the four because okay. I've got the wide thing on the bottom. So I have a super old phone. Okay. Yeah. You have the old You've 30 got thirty pin connector. Yes. Not the lightning connector. Which oh. is still garbage. <laughs> I hate that lightning connector. Yeah, you know, the nice thing about Apple's connector is it charges, it brings data, and brings audio and video in one connector. On my phone, I'd have to hook up uh, an HDMI, a USB, and an audio. Well, I guess HDMI would do that for me uh, to do do the same thing. And, you know, it's doable, but that's why that 30-pin connector and then the lightning connector is so expensive. It actually does a lot of stuff. Yep. And because it can be. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's Apple. It, That's like Latin. It is, it is blessed with Apple. So, yes. um, and Seth, you got uh, you were you talked about it before. You got the Kano device, the Raspberry Pi clone. Uh, well, no, it, it's a Raspberry Pi, but it comes with like some material to teach you like how to tinker with your computer and actually do programming and stuff like that. So I've got it. I'm going to play with it. And then we're going to schedule those guys to come on the show, um, either late this month or early next month. And, you know, we'll have a, they'll kick off our guests of 2015. Awesome. Very cool. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about that. So uh, I don't have any listener feedback this week. Not that you guys didn't send me any, just that what you sent me wasn't really appropriate for this show. Um, I, I got a lot of, hey, look at this website stuff, and I, I love that. Don't get me wrong. It's just not all good stuff to put in a show. So we're going to do listener feedback less this week. And the idea of this show, by the way, uh, we talked about doing it uh, at one point uh, a while back. It was t- uh, great tech mistakes. Uh, in history. Um, and so I, I've scoured the internet and my own brain, uh, to, to come up with, with just, just bad ideas that what were they thinking ideas? So that's what we'll talk about. Um, so like, let's go ahead and do that and we'll circle back to the tech news. That's a, uh, where I work. That's a buzz phrase. We'll circle back to that. Every meeting, the word that. circle back is used at least once. I hate that phrase. I absolutely despise <laughs> the circle back phrase. It's, you know, every corporation, every entity it. has its own, you know, foibles like that. And where I work, circle back is a, bo- uh, is a big one. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head because I've been you've away. You've got to drop week. into your business voice. Let's circle back to that one later. Right. Yeah. So, or put a pin great in it. Put, put a pin in it. We'll yeah. circle back. Oh, yeah. Put a pin in I that. We'll circle pin. back and reach out to. You can't contact somebody. You can't ask somebody. You have to reach out to. I need you to reach out to Team A for that. I need you to reach out to Bob for that. I, I already reached out to Sue about that. Reached out. Would, would you go give him a hug? You sent him an email. Just say, I sent an email. Yeah. Anyway, it's again. Why don't you uh, put a pin in that? Go interface with <laughs> we'll, we'll say Interface. That's a good one. Yeah. That's not big where I work, but I hear that a lot. You need to interface. No, I don't. I need to have a conversation. Tongue, guys. <laughs> <laughs> These are all pet peeves of mine, and you're hitting every single one. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, where I used to work in education, we had different ones. You know, it's just uh, everywhere you go, there's there's its own thing. But anyway, circling back. Um, so some ideas for things that just were dumb. Some, some dumb ideas. Um, the E.T. video game. Such a terrible game that Atari actually paid somebody to dig a hole in the desert and bury them. Did either of you guys ever play the game? I did. I actually owned a copy of that one. <laughs> You're the one. We found the guy. I Well, I didn't buy it, though. It was given to oh, me. Okay. I think it was given to me as a horrible, you know. Like a white elephant gift? Or something. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Yeah. And uh, there's there's... Many cross references, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, marketing, what's the word they, they call that, uh, crossovers. Synergy. Anyway, Synergy. there's, there's lots of, lots of times where one media becomes another, one medium becomes another medium. So lots of video games made after movies, lots of movies made after video games. 
All of them are terrible. Without a doubt, all of them are terrible every time. Tomb Raider is the least terrible, but by so little. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Didn't have to, the bar wasn't set very high. (laughs) Right. So, um, you know, uh, Double Dragon, did you? Oh, yes. The Double Dragon movie. But Street Fighter was one of those that was, it was (laughs) so bad, it was good. It falls into the enjoyable because it's bad movie, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not talking about The Legend of Chun-Li, which was just bad, (laughs) but the Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme and who's the guy who died and that was his last role? Uh, Raul Julia, 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 one of those, yeah. Um, Morticia, uh, I mean, Gomez Adams. Um, Yes. uh, And then, you know, there's uh, the... uh, um Mario movies. Uh there've been more than one of those, amazingly. Um and they've been all horrible. <laughs> Every single one of them. And then in video games made out of movies, the Star Wars video game didn't entirely suck. That's the best I can say from that one. Uh okay. where you shot the down these Ad Ad Walkers. Yeah, the console one with the vector graphics that came out like in the set that one was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's just don't stop doing it, people. Stop doing it. Stop making video games out of movies and stop making movies out of video games. Just stop. Uh, so E.T. Uh, rounds the list there. Um, Microsoft Bob. My note on that one is seriously, what the heck? Did either Bob of you guys ever be- play with Microsoft Bob? Yes. No. Okay. So the idea was Microsoft thought that Windows 3.1 was too difficult. That the it was the first major graphical interface on the Windows side. Uh, on the Microsoft side, rather, um, there was 3.0 before that, but 3.1 was the one that was the sort of major. Um, and they felt it was too difficult to use. So Bob was invented. You never actually met Bob. You just, we were in Bob's house. And if right. you wanted to, to view media, which was laughable at the time, you went into Bob's TV room. And if you wanted to, to read something, you went into Bob's library. Um, you could check Bob's mail. And oddly enough, he would have mail addressed to you. I don't know how that worked, but it did. Um, resoundingly, um, hailed as the worst thing ever for, for a couple of reasons. One, the, the interface was clunky, but two, it required as much resources as Windows itself. So the back then you had to load, you, you took your PC and you loaded DOS on it. That took, you know, 64K of RAM or whatever, 640K of RAM. Then you had to put Windows on top of DOS. Then you had to put Bob on top of Windows. To make things easier. It didn't make it easier. It made it impossible. If you were lucky, it made it impossible. <laughs> so, Chris, what was your experience with Bob? Um, about 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I used it approximately that long, and then I said, no, this is stupid, and I took it off. But um, and, and worse, it was like 90 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it, was a, it wasn't a free expansion pack or anything like that. Yeah, it was. And I... It was one of those things where you wish you had your money back, but once since you opened the seal, oh yes, you were screwed. So yeah, it was one of those moments of I just wish I had my ninety dollars back. Come on, Microsoft! I think you should refund everybody who bought Pob and refund that because I mean, everybody the, wants it back. There are some things that listeners are going to say. Why isn't that on the list? And let's go ahead and address that right now. Um, Vista is not on the list because Vista wasn't a failure. It actually ended up being a really solid operating system. It just took it a long time. Yeah. All right. It, so I'm not putting a lot of updates. I'm talking about things well, that were just total mistakes. Yeah. Well, and the reason that Vista was so bad is 
they were selling it on hardware that couldn't really that could barely run the starter right. version and they were putting the Windows Vista Ultimate on it. And so when you put it on a machine that had the hardware to run, I had a, a machine that came with Vista and when I and I did bought it in the time where they were giving free upgrades to seven. When I did the upgrade to seven and I did the wipe and install from scratch. It ran better with Vista than it ever did when I put seven on it. Yeah. So Vista wasn't a failure. The implementation of Vista was a failure. And that's a, that's a, on the, uh, ma- the hardware manufacturer. And it was the but, first time in Microsoft history that where they crippled backward compatibility. They just said the yeah. line has to be drawn here. No farther. We're, we're not going to support your eight bit stuff anymore. Deal with it. And that was right. a big deal. And it was, and it made a lot of people very angry, which is why Vista was such a, Thorn. Yeah. So while I, I, it, I will not argue with anybody that it was a uh, commercial failure. I don't consider it a mistake. It was actually an important step they had to take to get to seven, which was very solid. Right. right. Um, and <laughs> while we're in the Eight. Microsoft category, how about Clippy? Eight. How let, oh, let's God. be, let's be a little more annoying <laughs> and actually not serve any purpose at all. Of course, I always you got know, rid of Clippy and moved it over to the wizard. Because at least the yeah. wizard was funny, or the yeah. puppy or the dog. genius, yeah, or the genius, or the kitty cat. But uh, you know, it did give rise. If it hadn't been for those, we would never have had the Bonesy Buddies. So clearly, oh, that's an important part of computing history. I forgot about yeah, Bonesy Buddies. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was you know there were so many memes that kill Clippy and Clippy must die. The problem is that was pre YouTube. And so it's really hard to find those videos anymore, but right. there were some awesome, I remember there were some awesome Clippy must die videos and they're not on YouTube. Uh, doggone it. How <laughs> yeah. did we exist as a society before YouTube to archive our videos? No kidding. Uh, you know, it's somehow we did. Um, and YouTube still, has I mean, you know, because yeah, you can search for miss teen, South Carolina. And still <laughs> I get personally the, I believe <laughs> that us you Americans, know, U.S. Americans. <laughs> I remember some of the videos for that. Like there was this one where this person was walking down the street and she was trying to call 911 and it's like, where are you at? She's like, I personally believe for, for the children and hung up. It was, I feel sorry for that, that chick. Yeah. But, uh, those, that was, those were some of the funniest things ever. All the parodies of it. And, you know, that's, Sorry, I, I got us off track there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving right along. The one that started this, I mentioned it in a show a while back. Zyklon Gas Ranges from the Siemens Corporation. What a terrible idea. So in um, uh, the, the the World War II time, the, the Nazis, uh, particularly I think it was Bayer Corporation, uh, created a poison gas called Zyklon B. And they used that gas to exterminate tens of thousands, if not millions, of Jews. So a few years later, Siemens, who owned the 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 name, thought it would be a good idea to open a line of kitchen appliances, including gas ovens, with the name Zyklon. What were they thinking? <laughs> nice. That's a good one. I'll have to remember that one. Now, that one never actually made it to the market. Um, it was, uh, somebody woke up and said, whoa, back the bus up a little bit. But that's what got me to thinking about this whole topic. Zyklon ranges. Did you ever watch the John Larry cat show? Uh, briefly. 
I really enjoyed that show. And there was this one scene where he was going through some of his old papers and he found this typed out thing and he thought it was like a, an essay he wrote and he turned it in and the studio was going to like make a show out of it until one of the upper level editors realized that it was, uh, the first chapter of a novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald or somebody and, uh, and caught it. So it was kind of that same thing. Somebody was just simply too young and too immersed in the current culture to know anything about history right and and that's all that happened is somebody you know they looked at it they and said that's a cool it sounds a new, it's a new 21st century name um and we already own the patent to it for the, the trademark for it for some reason so yeah we'll just use that until a jew heard of it <laughs> right oh wow bad idea folks uh yep. continuing in the bad idea category the apple newton the most amazing thing about the Newton is that they continued the line for 12 years. Yeah. Of course, you know, if you if you find somebody that ever had a Newton, they'll swear up and down that it is one of the best things. Yeah, ever the three used. people who owned it really, really loved it. Yeah. Uh, the problem was it was incredibly expensive. It didn't. Okay. Well, let me back up. The Newton was the first ever PDA, really, uh, yeah. before Palm, before BlackBerry was the Newton. Um, it was huge, um, uh, about the size of a paper notebook, um, you know, eight, yeah. nine inches or so, um, maybe a little smaller, weighed several pounds, uh, and had a stylus and a handwriting input. Uh, you know, th- those of us like myself who were palm lovers, we loved our graffiti. Uh, well, yep. the Newton had, uh, ideally it was supposed to be handwriting recognition. You didn't have to use graffiti. You could just write in your own handwriting except that it didn't work for anybody except the guys in the lab. Um, it sold or a few. the guy it was based off of. Yeah. It sold a few things. Um, it, you know, it was a, uh, a never anywhere close to a success, but they continued the project from 1987 to 1998. Amazingly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I couldn't believe that it. it's been around that long. And then how long did it stay, you know, in like, in, not just production, but I mean, I wonder how many people actually used it after they closed it. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was never very popular. The battery life was terrible. It 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 just didn't do anything. Uh, everything was in a proprietary format. Uh, it didn't communicate with anything, including Apple machines at the time, very well. Um, and so that that's where Palm really sort of took over. Was they they connected it with your desktop? You had your your uh, Palm desktop app, and you had your your calendar and your uh to do and all that sort of stuff and that made the difference apples didn't really work with that the idea was that you would always interact with this device like you do a notebook yep. right that's the notebook meme um i don't plug my notebook my, my my piece of paper into something else it's all right there so they were following that that um form factor and and found that it just didn't work now it's, it's working more now that our phones are windows into wow. a bigger world Right. So, clouded, uh, right. Right. So we, my wife doesn't leave her phone. She very rarely uses a computer or a laptop, but it's not because everything she does is on the phone. It's because the phone is a window to everything she does. That's the difference. Yep. So yeah, Apple was is. a commercial failure, a technical failure, but an important step forward. The Apple Newton. Yep. You know, it had, it had to be there. There's a lot of things like here. Okay. It was definitely a commercial flop, but. Is it just a case where, you know, people like, um, Steve Gates or Steve, 
Steve Gates. <laughs> Steve Jobs. That's a good one. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. You know, they just they see they saw so far ahead, you know, that they were do what they wanted to do. The hardware didn't exist. Right. I, I have later on wanted to in the so. honorable mention section, the web TV, which is Microsoft's uh, Newton. Great idea. And in fact, we're doing it today. It's called the Amazon fire stick or the Roku yep. stick. That's what we're doing today. Right. The technology just didn't exist. They wanted to do it over dial up modems at 14, four KBPS on Ooh. your 12 inch CRT television. <laughs> Great yeah, idea. So- just not, too early you know because somebody saw the newton and go hey that would be cool you know it, it's just like we have cell phones because somebody saw star trek and went i want a phone that does that and so the cool the cool early cell phones you flipped open like kirk did his communicator and uh you know technologically or commercially a lot of them were failures but they you know you can follow innovation and without them you know it breaks the innovation tree so, all right all right so i may have to move that from the mistake category to the failure category <laughs> um and there's a difference you know um some things just shouldn't have happened like for example um a mars orbiter slamming into the surface of the planet last i checked that's not orbit that's called crash landing. Now, Mars, ha- uh, NASA has put things on the surface of Mars by slamming it into the surface uh, with big airbags, and they bounce them around, and that's intended. But the $125 million Mars orbiter was never intended to impact the surface. Uh, but apparently, math is hard. And <laughs> somebody forgot to convert from met- met- uh, standard to metric and missed the planet by several hundred miles. Oops. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, either that or they thought it was called the Mars Lander instead <laughs> yeah. of the Mars Orbiter. I should say they didn't miss the planet. They missed orbit. Uh, so this was in, uh, I'm going to have to go to my notes here, 98, I think it was, maybe 99. Um, it says 99 on the article. Yeah, that it happened. Um, big deal, big oops, big ugly scar on NASA's face. However, it was only a $125 million project. That's That's a drop in the bucket compared yeah, to, only, you only. know, that that is less than the cost of one fighter jet, you know, or or uh, or one uh, Apache helicopter. So those things crash in training accidents uh, and cost more. So it you know, overall, it wasn't a terribly huge thing. If it had just been a, an equipment man- malfunction, nobody would say anything. But when they found out it was because people can't do math, that's what caused the problem. It's the well, same people who now work at Burger King in the drive-through. Sorry. Yeah, and, and apparently it was one group was using uh, American standard, which is not standard, but that's the word for it. And the other group was using metric and both assumed the other was using the same thing. So one was doing miles, the other was doing kilometers, and they didn't check the math. Um, oops. Whoops. Um, I don't think there needs to be a whole lot of discussion on this one. The Titanic. Um, that was a technical failure. The idea was that uh, you don't have to build bulkheads all the way to the to the top decks because the water will never get that high. Uh, and no. you don't have to put enough lifeboats for everyone because it will never sink. Right. Um, oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> along with Sorry it, about that one. Along with it, the Hindenburg. Uh, due to wartime economics, the U.S. Uh, pretty much owned the helium supply and him, had embargoed that. So Germany couldn't get their hands on helium. They said, hey, there's this other abundant gas that's lighter than air. Hydrogen. We'll just stuff our air vehicles full of that. Not a good idea. Yeah. Well, unless you want a flaming ball of dead 
death, you know, maybe. Well, that's what happened. Oh, the humanity. Um, <laughs> so much like um, Pearl Harbor was a result of America's embargo of Japan, uh, the Hindenburg was a result of America's embargo on Germany. So what you're saying, Mark, is that we Americans are evil. <laughs> yeah, that, That's well, what I take from, yeah. from this story. Pearl Harbor could be on the list, except it wasn't technological. <laughs> But that was a blunder in that the, the Japan attacked when pretty much none of the planes were on the, the vessels. So they took out the vessels, but not the planes and, you know, ended up their downfall. So either way, you could say that was a mistake. Attacking America would have been the right call at another time in another place. Um, well, yeah, it's not if a they had caught the carriers and if they, yeah, they, there was a lot of blunders on their site that right. really saved the American fleet as much as it did. All right, so moving right along, uh, math is hard even for computers. Intel made a Pentium chip that couldn't divide. I, I don't know about you, but I consider division a fairly important thing for a processor to do. But in 1994, Intel didn't think it was all that important. Their uh, Pentium processor um, uh, that was the, the next step up from the 486DX. So this was literally their first generation, maybe second genera- generation uh, processor, Pentium processor had a silicon based problem. It wasn't that the fact that they designed it badly, it was that it was built badly and couldn't divide, um, consistently. Oops. Yeah. yeah an error good. once every 27,000 years. That'll, that'll mess stuff up. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, you're right, Seth. The, the reality of it was not a big deal, but the, the, the beating they took in the press, particularly from at the time, they had real competition from I- IBM and Cyrix. Remember Cyrix? Right. Um, uh, AMD wasn't even in the wow. picture yet. Um, I, I don't, it's been a long time since I heard that name. Yeah. So those guys What's were around. The, wasn't it the, the Vi, Vio or no, no, that was Sony's computer line. So uh, Cyrix just called theirs the 686 line, uh, because they yep. were a little faster. Um, but, uh, so anyway, it was it was a, a public beating, but also Seth that one error every twenty seven thousand years. If that one error happens at a nuclear reactor, and the twenty seven thousand years happens to be tomorrow, um, you know it's a it's That's a pretty big deal. Bad thing. Yeah. So they yeah. ended up recalling tons right. of them. Uh, next up, um, anybody remember the QCAT? This was just one I pulled out of my memory. You guys remember the QCAT? I never had one, but yes, I remember yeah. it's kind of like a light scanner that yeah. they made it look like a cat and you yeah. could scan a barcode on something to like automatically take you to someplace online. Right. So and- go back to 1994, 95, um, in the Dallas market, it was hugely pushed. I don't know about, uh, up where you live in, in Southern Canada, Chris, but in the Dallas market, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, uh, to the point that, uh, Radio Shack was not only giving them to you if you went to the store, but they were actually just randomly mailing out things, right? So I got two of them in the mail just as a, here's a QCAT. So the idea was, um, that you're, uh, the LL Bean catalog and you want people to get more information because catalog space is cheap. Web space is less cheap. I mean, uh, catalog space is expensive. <laughs> Web space is less expensive. There we go. Um, so you would put a barcode under a picture of a sweater in your LL Bean catalog that I could then c- take over to my computer with this LED-based 
um, uh, barcode reader plugged into my serial port, <laughs> my mouse port, which was part of the problem because most people had one mouse port and there was a mouse plugged into it. Um, and you would scan that and it, it was essentially a QR code, what we use them for today. Uh, today, you, yeah. you, you, it gives you a URL that you go to. So again, the idea wasn't bad, just that the, the implementation wasn't there. The technology wasn't ready. And people invested uh, millions, if not billions of dollars in these little QCATs that nobody wanted. And I was, you know, I am the tech guy, right? I'm the early adopter. I'm the guy who you want to get in, uh, a QCAT in the hands of. And they sent me two of them, which I threw away because it was useless. <laughs> no, we never, I never saw any QCATs up in my, over by my neck of the woods. Um, I did hear, I did hear of them because I'm sure somebody got one in, my little old town, but uh, I never actually even I don't even remember seeing the little barcodes that they. That's the problem. Gave. You never did. Nobody never got behind it. Um, so like the Radio Shack catalog had it, but that was about it. Um, remember catalogs? <laughs> Just by the way, speaking of the year 2015, do you remember catalogs? They used to be a thing. Yep. Man, you know, Sears should have been Amazon. Because they already had that yeah, huge yeah. business of mailing out stuff. Imagine if Sears would have embraced uh, online e-commerce. Yeah, it would have been open and shut. They would own it, yeah, and you would be saying, "Let's Sears yeah, that to someone." Uh, yeah, I mean, Amazon owns me at this point. I don't make a purchase that I don't first go to elementop.com/slash/amazon and see if they have it. Um, yeah, they own my business. Way. I buy, I mean, if I need toilet paper next week and not today, I'll order it from Amazon instead of today. The, the only thing they don't own from me is the stuff I have to have right now. But pretty much, I mean, right. yeah. I'm not kidding, guys. From the from like late October through just this week, three days a week at least, there was an Amazon package <laughs> arriving at my house Um, at least yeah. three days a week. One arrived this morning, Sunday morning. Um, at my house because I just buy everything. My, my recycle bin is full of collapsed Amazon boxes. Um, they own me <laughs> at this point. So when, when they get to the drones, you'll be happy. Yeah. That'll be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, you're right, Seth. There was the market that, uh, that only one guy saw and he wins. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's exactly how I, my grandparents were about the Sears catalog. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't in the Sears catalog, you, you could didn't get need it. it. And then, you know, and you could take last year's Sears catalog out to the outhouse and, <laughs> exactly. you know, it was the ultimate in green technology. So I still use, I still get catalogs, uh, pretty much, you know, almost every day, three or four days a week at least. Um, and what I use them for right now is starting fires. Because they work really well. You roll them up, you wad them up, and you you stack your wood on top of it, and you light a match, and uh, they're good fire starters. The colored paper seems to work better, the glossy stuff, even than a newspaper. So that's what I do with my catalogs. I put them there on the hearth, and I rip out five or six pages, wad them into a ball, and start a fire with it. There you go. So keep them coming, guys, because they're a lot cheaper than those little wax starters. Um. And actually, I have a gas fireplace, yeah. but I don't. I don't even I, want to I, pay for the gas. Um, and of course, <laughs> no list of of goofs could be complete without Chernobyl. Um, you know, right. uh, this was this was not a mistake. 
This was a series of mistakes that came together at just the right time in just the right order, all the way from there were design flaws, there were construction flaws that were separate from the design flaws, then there were procedural flaws, flaws all the way along, all of which caused the Chernobyl nuclear reactor to dump 200 times the radiation of the, the bomb at Hiroshima. Wow. Um, that's a big oops. Um, 70,000, I think, was the last count of people died directly, and uh, hundreds uh, of thousands more were injured or, or affected indirectly. That's um, just, um, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's the you know. it's the mother of all mistakes. But again, it wasn't one mistake. It was a series. So they turned off the backup uh, systems. They pulled, they, they ordinarily would have, I'm, I'm going from memory here. They ordinarily would have 15 control rods in uh, maintaining the reaction. Uh, but during the test, they pulled half of them out and were running on either seven or eight control rods. Um, and which it was, they were trying to do a, a, uh, a meltdown, you know, they're trying to overheat the reactor in a test scenario, but then they shut down the backup cooling system. And then when the alarms came on telling them that there was a meltdown imminent, they said, yeah, we know we're doing a test and they turned off the, the alarm systems. Um, and then it just got out of control. So it was a series of really bad decisions, but, uh, that, that sort of tops the list rounds us out for really bad tech choices yeah that's a that's one that definitely makes everyone you know double check your backups next time <laughs> talk about a series of unfortunate events yes lemony sorry snicket i just thought lemony snicket <laughs> and then i have in my section of honorable mentions uh the zune from microsoft a really good piece yep. of hardware that just didn't catch on for some reason it wasn't as cool well, as it, apple that's really all there was to it it wasn't as cool and it well, it, was, it wasn't as cool, and it also wasn't uh, the hardware. The interfacing was horrible as far as that. Did you worked. own a Zoom, you know, Chris? I didn't. My, I have a good friend of mine who did, and he, he would call me over every time he wanted to synchronize his music to the Zoom. So every couple of weeks, I'd have to go over and help him with it because he just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, that's, a, that's a problem. It was a, they didn't have Steve Jobs. That's the difference between the Zoom and, and the um, I, uh, I help me iPod was they didn't have Steve jobs. Uh, they had, they had the engineers. Um, and that's, you know, that's right. where you get to, to some of Google stuff like the Q, right? C U E, uh, yeah, and right. their web TV device that was designed by engineers and, and looked and felt like it. So, uh, Anyway, the, that that goes into an honorable mention. Web TV, we've already mentioned. Uh, the idea was there. The technology wasn't. Uh, the Motorola Atrix. One device to rule them all. You plug it into a keyboard and a monitor, and it's your full operating system. Uh, no. I think that was just ahead of its time. Yeah, again, yeah. That will be the way it is. You'll carry your computer with you and plug into a monitor somewhere. And that's what that was. I, I thought it was super cool uh, when it came out. Obviously, I, I didn't have one because I was cheap and poor and wasn't that deep in the technology back then. But um, And by back then, I we're talking that, 2011. It wasn't a whole long time ago, just about four years ago. Was it 11? I yeah. thought it was more yeah. like, was it 11? Wow, okay. I remember it being further back in my mind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was either 10. I think it was won the CES award in 2011. 
Uh, so okay. it didn't really hit the market till 2012. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, was I think it was introduced in, in debt 10. back then. Yeah, okay. So maybe maybe it was the CES 2010 and then hit the market in 2000, but not that long ago. It just the technology wasn't there yet. But where we're seeing it right now is that idea um, is the Chromecast uh, and things like it, where you take something on your phone and you cast it to your TV. So, uh, yeah, you'll be you'll plug in your phone to a charging dock and and use it to manipulate your other devices. Yeah, I agree, Seth. That's the way it is. The Atrix just wasn't it. it just an idea. Well, before and time. if you your i your iPhone. Um, you know, it has the dock that you can plug it into for, you know, the cradle right. at home to be your speaker and everything and connect to your TV. Um, so you could almost argue that it's almost in, um, you know, that the iPhone is almost doing a lot of what it did with some of the docking features that are available with it. Right. I don't yeah. know. But we're, we're there. We're, 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 I, I think. Go ahead, Seth. No, I don't think we're quite there yet. I don't think the phones are quite capable enough to run uh, full-size monitors um, and do anything other than look at your pictures or something. I think next generation probably will be, but I don't think we're quite there. My point was we're there in terms of cobbling things together to get what you want. Um, uh, But, I mean, my gosh, the modern phones today – have quad core, you know, three gigahertz or two gigahertz at least processors. Uh, they're they're laptops of a few years ago. Um, yeah, and and what we're seeing is lap- even a few years ago. Yeah, phone, phones are getting bigger and bigger, right? Because nobody wants to interface with that four inch screen as their primary interface. So that's where the things like the Chromecast and the Amazon Fire Stick and the, and the Roku and these things come out. It's like I was talking about the phone as the window into the other world. We we, we want that big 60-inch plasma TV. Well, plasma doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, uh, LCD TV to be our window into the world because it's so big and 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 good. Um, we just we're we're plugging other things into it. So yeah, the, the idea for the Atrix is sound. We're still moving in that direction. Uh, Motorola just you know was. They, they weren't ready yet yeah they were too early yeah that's a a futurist designed the atrix right. say this is what we'll do and somebody said that's a great idea <laughs> let's and make then it happen after it came out out yeah can't do it quite yet and i just put this on here to to rest seth migo um a mistake <laughs> that shouldn't have happened they you know i mean I, I know it did catch ago. on but it lives in selfish <laughs> and for what it for a netbook a mobile interface like that it wasn't a traditional operating system you know they didn't just take the operating system and shrink it down they rethought the gui interface for limited uh desktop real estate and in that aspect i think it was a success um but yeah it it never caught Caught on, definitely a commercial failure. But it, it's it follows that chain of succession. If you take it out, I don't think we would be as far along on, on the uh, mobile desktops as we are today. All right, I'm going to let you have that last word. Um, the Xerox Alto. This is this was an amazing product, not a tech mistake, but a business failure. Um, what mo- most people don't know. And, and I talk about it all the time because it's so fascinating. Xerox Park, the Palo Alto Research Center, Park, P-A-R-C, um, 
Xerox got like the the top fifty smartest people in the world, stuck them all in a room full of bean bags, and said, "Invent the future." And out of that came things like you know Ethernet, um, and uh, other great ideas uh, like that. You know, most of the internet protocols we run today, and you know, a little thing that you might have heard of called the graphical user interface, and the mouse. The first mouse was invented there, and Xerox being Xerox. Right, it wasn't Windows; it was sheets of paper. Their monitor was eight and a half by eleven, like a sheet of paper. Um, and and the papers folded on, laid on top of each other. So you would you would dog ear the corner to pull a piece of paper back. So they were so paper headed. That's what they looked at, and they they looked at that and said, you know, this uh, this technology is amazing. These really smart people uh, came up with it. But they recognized they were ahead of their time. They recognized they'd never be able to make it cheap enough. They'd never be able to mass produce it. They recognized that it would be a business failure. So they just said, eh, I, okay. Um, and so they opened their doors to um, uh, other entrepreneurs who might want to take a look at it and get ideas from it. Some of those entrepreneurs you might have heard of were, you know, Bill Gates, um, um, Steve Jobs. They both ripped almost all of their ideas for the GUI off of the Palo Alto Research Center's the, the Alto. With, willingly, with their permission, they, these guys, Xerox, just said, yeah, go ahead. We we don't think we're going to be able to make anything out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about ahead of your time. If they had, yep. if they had stuck with it, all of our machines would be Xerox machines. We would, They wouldn't be Windows. They wouldn't be Apple. They wouldn't be HP. They would be Xerox. They owned this. If they had closed the doors, um, the Xerox would own the world right now. Um, yeah. Business failure, but the their their ideas there launched the future. It's amazing the stuff totally that agree. came out of that park. Yeah, and I mean they they were doing stuff that just that nobody had ever thought of before, and because they were so. If our advanced Xerox couldn't figure out how to make any money off of it. Yep. It's too bad because imagine, I wonder what else they had stuffed away in that think tank that never even made it to being archived out. Well, you know, most you know, of the, most of those guys went and made their own companies. Uh, and, right. you know, but, but I, that, but the question is still there. What stuff did they leave behind when they went off on their own way? Because I mean, they had to have had more, more things that just didn't get archived out, right. you know, like the the Alto, and we have the mouse and, and some of the internet protocols. But what else was left? The, yeah, and, the, you know, Google question. Whenever I sort of tries to do that today, they try to put the smartest people in the world together, um, but that environment doesn't exist anymore. The smartest people in the world are highly sought after. Back then, the smartest people yeah. in the world, nobody knew how to handle them. They were a little odd. You know, they, they smelled a little funny and they didn't wear suits and ties and, and nobody knew how to dealt with them, deal with them. So, you know, the out in California, the, the land of, of, you know, hate Ashbury and everything goes, uh, they put those guys out there and said, you know, we're, we're not really sure what to do with you, but we think some good stuff's going to come out of here. Uh, could anybody do that today in the modern market? Could Google, they've got the money. Apple's got the money. Could they take these guys like that and just throw them out there and say, no idea is too big or too small. Google has sort of tried to do that with their, you know, 20% time and their projects like that. But even they're being more, um, you know, driven by profit now. And, and you know, we need an idea that's going to make us money or we're going to kill it. You know, you get um, uh, um, Wave, Google Wave, 
they, they killed it. Wasn't making any money. Couldn't see anything. Good things came out of it in the end. Uh, but I just I don't think that in the modern business climate can exist anymore. What do you guys think? It, yeah, I think in the American business climate, everybody the higher ups are too short sighted on this quarter's returns. The, the yeah. far the far looking ones are looking at next quarter's returns. You would need a next decade's return mentality. Um, you know, I think Shuttleworth kind of has that long distance vision of, you know, Hey, I'm sinking all my money into this because I think it's going to be something really great at the end. Um, but the established companies and the venture capitalists and everybody who has the money and, you know, Google is probably the freest thinking one, but they wouldn't be able to do this because they want something that can do now. And, you know, if you're researching research to make this one thing better, oh, hey, that's outside this box. Get, you know, shut up and go leave and start your own company or whatever uh, without any money. But they're just too short sighted today to replicate park. Yeah. And I just don't My know opinion. that that business culture could ever exist again. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's I, I think, you know, I, it's already been said over. I, I don't think the market would allow it to happen um, because nobody just. I, you know, uh, I'm trying to think how to explain that. Um, you'd have to be able I to think, lose a billion dollars and not care. Or, yeah, or more. Yeah. Uh, to, to be able to manufacture things that somebody just out of the top of their head, they went, oh, well, this would be an idea. And to just be able to manufacture that and try it, um, you'd be losing, it, it'd be a, it would be an, on, an instant money loser. Um, and with occasional hits, you know, you'd probably get a, one hit out of every two years or something, maybe if you're lucky. Um, and I don't know anybody that's willing to bet any money on that type of an environment. Yeah. Yeah. And plus the first time you showed some inkling of a thing, somebody would swoop in and buy it up and cannibalize the talent that's true. that yeah. led to that. So, you know, you, it would take a group of people saying, you know, we're not going to break up. We're going to stay here. We're going to be poor for the next 10 years. And then we're going to rule the world. Um, if, if somebody was willing to be poor for 10 years and everything they could do funnel mo- their money into research, but nobody in America has a, has a 10 year plan. You're lucky to find somebody with a 10 week plan, um, in the, the business world. Yeah. You're right. And the last one that one of you guys put on the list was the Google TV. Uh, they tried to get into a market that already existed. They didn't do it well and they didn't go for uh, a future market either. It was just kind of a product that fizzled. Yeah. It was. A, I've actually seen one in the wild. Have you guys ever seen one? The actual set top box? No. I mean, the, they no, quickly um, they quickly recovered with the Chromecast, which is what the Google TV tried to be. Kind of. It was one piece right. of the Google TV. Yeah, it was. It was a a fraction of what Google TV or what Chromecast is now. Um, it was actually very interesting to play with it. Um, I actually got to unbox it and set it up for a client back then. Wow. Uh, very interesting. And, uh, actually, when you sat down in front of it, it was actually really intuitive. Um, once you start, once you went through the engineering steps to use it, which is the biggest, the biggest hurdle, I, I think that the reason they called me in, uh, cause they didn't know how to fill it out. Cause it was asking you questions about what you did and what you watched. And it was, it, it took a couple hours to set it all up, but once it was set up, Oh, they said it was the best thing they ever bought. Hmm. And I would almost bet they're still using it unless it, 
unless they terminated the service. And then, you know, other things like it, the Roku and the Fire TV and the Apple TV uh, have all supplanted it now. Um, nobody, nobody doubts that people want web content on their TV anymore. Nobody has to convince us of that anymore. My, my complaint about a lot of those is that they're too heavily focused on web content and they don't let me do my local content. And I have terabytes right. of local content. Well, that's where Plex comes into play, yeah. at least now. Right. And that the Plex is amazing because it plugs into all those other platforms and lets you do that stuff. Yep. And I know um, Plex also just released their updates for PlayStation and Xbox. So you don't even have to have one of those extra devices. You can use your current stuff, which is cool. All right, that uh, that rounds out our list of tech mistakes. It's by no means an exhaustive list, uh, but it was all the ones that I thought were interesting. Uh, so now we'll move on to our uh, tech news of the week. The Apache Software Foundation, like so many other things, is experiencing some growing pains. Yeah, the um, there was recent Apache conference, and they were talking about, one, how much they do with what small budget they have is kind of mind-boggling, but uh, he's talking about how they have a process that's kind of um, expected to manage like 10 projects, but they're currently managing um, 150 and expect to be up to 200 soon. And they're just, they're too small to manage effectively what they have because they, they run so much of it off of volunteers. And, you know, Apache is one of those things that kind of underpins the web, but yet it doesn't on a shoestring budget. And so they're just, you know, something needs to happen at Apache. They've got to, they've got to get some type of money uh, coming in so they can grow or otherwise, you know, you're just going to be left with nothing um, but Microsoft IIS to run the internet and i don't think anybody in the world wants that except maybe microsoft <laughs> I, I don't even think microsoft they probably wants don't that. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't think they want that either so um it's a it's a <laughs> it's excuse me it's a problem but it's kind of a good problem too much success they're a victim of their own success yeah right and how are they going to manage that success moving forward um uh, good question good, we'll find that's out a good question yeah, I, I hope they figure out a way to get it taken care of because uh, the world would be a weird place without them. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Moving right along, I, I would have <clears throat> would love to have had a better transition to this, but while we're on the sub- subject of open source, Dice dot com uh, says your open source work can get you a job. So if you've worked with Apache and and uh, uh, or other open source systems, you can get paid. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, because unfortunately, one of the, you know, technology, especially the IT field, nobody, and I mean, nobody wants you unless you have experience. So it's like one of those, uh, I can't have experience because nobody will give me a job. Well, you don't get a job until you get experience. So here, you know, you can take and you can volunteer with an open source project. And Apache has a lot of them, uh, you know, tons of them in Linux. And you can work in the community, you know, whether you're contributing to code, whether you're monitoring, you know, a peer review, any of that kind of stuff. And that's the exact same things you do contributing to an IT team uh, in a company somewhere. And you can basically this article just kind of shows you how you can kind of frame it 
in terms of project and how you would do it as a job and you can get your experience. So when you go interview for a job, you know, it doesn't, you know, you, you're not leading with, I was a shift manager at McDonald's for two years, <laughs> you know, which, you know, it's a great place to start. You can learn a lot of stuff in McDonald's, um, especially when you get into the management side. But you can say, well, I, I managed this open source project and I contributed to this code and I was active in the community. Here's my profile page. Right. You can see I moderated discussions and all of that. That's exactly what hiring managers want to see is that somebody who is already doing the job they want them to have. And this is Dice.com. This is a website whose sole purpose is getting you hired. They make yeah, money right. when they get you a job. And they're saying, hey, people, we would be able to get you a job if you could show us that you had worked on open source projects. Just pay attention. When somebody says, yeah, so we're looking for ways, we're looking for people to give jobs to, and these are the things that you need a job for, maybe you should pay attention. Yeah, no kidding. You know, for and it's one of those things that I'm actually hoping that if my kids start showing uh talent in computer languages because i'm going to start showing them these things now uh it'd be interesting to see how it takes off and if they keep going that way um because this would be a great thing for their resume yeah get them a windows machine and install scratch yeah Yeah. hey hey mark I, i have a question all right suppose somebody wanted to work in an open source project say related to Linux or maybe Amazon Web Services, and they didn't know how to, but they wanted to kind of go that way. How do you think they could get some experience to be a viable contributor to some project like that? Yeah, I would. I really think there'd be several steps that you would need to do that. Uh, one, you'd need a robust virtual environment, um, you know, some sort of playground where you can get experience without doing any damage. Um, maybe a place where you could have like up to four different machines running at once um, in a and running different variations of Linux and and experimenting with them. And, and of course, you would need some good tutoring. So, um, you you know, maybe some some online video courses would be a good way to go there. Uh, you'd need something that uh, that is created by by people in the in the industry who know what they're doing. Um, so you know that would be important. Uh, and a community of people around you uh, who are going on the same uh, uh, journey that you are. Uh, maybe some sort of uh, forum system where where other people who are learning and the and the instructors of, of maybe those online videos that I was talking about. Maybe if they were in those forums too, uh, that would be a good idea. Well, dang, because, you know, like, here's the deal, Mark. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to buy a computer that can run four VMs simultaneously. I'm probably looking at about a $1,000 investment. Sure, I could get buy a cheap four or $500 machine, but if I want the horsepower to do it, I'm, you're telling me it's going to cost me over $1,000 of my own money to be able to begin to get that kind of training and then hunting and pecking through different YouTube channels or one of those $1,000 for two months at some, uh, university somewhere. Well, you certainly could go that route. Um, you could, you could do that. Uh, or you could, uh, do something like our friends over at the linuxacademy.com, uh, where they offer you everything that we've said here and more. The step by step video courses, but not only are they video, is like you'd find on YouTube, but they they have notes with them, time coded notes uh, that go with the video, so that you can check back on your work. They have they have practice quizzes, so that you can make sure that you understand what you just did. They have this amazing lab environment where you can run things all at once. And the amazing thing is, the most that you're going to pay there is twenty five bucks for a month. 
Twenty-five dollars. That sounds like a really good deal. Yeah, you're not going to. Where, where do I sign up for that? You're That's not going to awesome. need a thousand dollars. You're not going to need uh, five hundred. You're going to need twenty-five dollars to get started. You go to linuxacademy.com. You sign up for a month. But you know, after that month, if you feel pretty confident that there, there's pretty good stuff there, if you agree with the two independent third-party auditors who said that their content is high quality, and if you think you're going to stick around, you can buy in bulk. You could buy a quarter, which is three months, uh, for only twenty dollars. Okay, okay, well. So you're saying that this one month isn't just an introductory rate and they're going to stick it to me after that? No, not at all. You can pay $25 a month forever if you want to. Right. Wow. But, you know, like anything else, the more you buy, the more you save. So if you buy a quarter, if you buy three months, it's only $20 a month, 60 bucks for a quarter. Cool. And, and if, you know, okay. if you want to take a bigger bite than that, uh, you could buy a whole year for $199, which breaks out to less than $17 a month. So Seth, no, not thousands of, thousands of dollars to get started. Really sort of the most you're going to be able to pay here. I'm, I'm sorry, but the most that it's going to cost you is, is 200 bucks for a year. Jeez. $200 for a year. That sounds, if I really wanted to get into IT and I didn't have a background, but is this one of those things where I already need to be a command like Godfire, and they're just going to show me how to pass some test somewhere. Well, if you already are, they certainly have stuff for that. But their purpose, their their stated purpose, is to take you from being a, a computer beginner to a Linux server administrator. That's what they're here for. LinuxAcademy.com. That's that's right there. That's their mission statement. When we had their founder on the site, that's what he uh, on the show. That's what he said. Uh, we want to take you from being, you know, not not a total beginner. You got to know how to, you know, boot stuff up. You got to know how to to watch videos. You got to know how to fire up, uh, a, you know. Uh, uh, the the PDF reader to to look at the notes. So you can't you know you can't just be a total noob. But uh, if you can uh, if you can work Facebook and YouTube, you you're probably pretty good. Wow. Well, that's cool. Easy that easy to get awesome. into then. Yeah. And uh, when you go, use the uh, ref, uh, the referral code code Everyday Linux and let them know that we sent you to linuxacademy.com. Uh, and now moving on to our next uh, bit of story there. Um, maybe the world is going to get a totally free computer. Maybe. It's been in the works for a while. Yeah, you know, we actually talked about it. The Librem uh, 15, a free has in Libre software laptop that's no closed components. Everything's open source. And it looks like they might actually make their goal. They've got like about a month left. And they've raised over a hundred and sixty thousand of their two hundred and fifty thousand dollar goal. So um, over sixty six percent funded, uh, and they actually have twenty seven days left. So uh, and you know, and if 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 the free has in, uh, you know, free has in, not free as in beer, free as in speech yes. is really important to you. Then um, you know, and you're going to buy a laptop anyway. Basically, you buy one a few months early to fund them, and you'll get uh, you'll you'll help fund them, and you'll bring that free Hesin speech hardware into the world. Now, this, as I'm reading this, Seth, this doesn't look like it's open source hardware, but it's it's well, fully loaded with only open source software. Not not at any point did any Windows or Mac stuff touch this thing. Well, and even the drivers for the things are open source there everything is non-proprietary so yes not open source hardware but expect of software from drivers on up um which you know a lot of linux has proprietary not all of them but a lot of the distros have proprietary whether they be drivers or um packages in them yeah. so like i said free has in speech uh i think it's important 
can't afford that much money. Yeah, I, I'm I'm calling minor BS on this because you could really buy any laptop, format the hard drive, and do this yourself. But if you do that, it's probably going to cost you about the same amount of money based on their specs yeah. here. Um, you know, the they're selling sixteen hundred dollar machines that are, you know, the equivalent of thirteen hundred dollar MacBooks. So you're paying a little more uh, for the to support freedom. If that's important to you, right. go back this pro- project at crowdsupply.com. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting spin on this. Um, I would say the other place you could do this is over at, uh, oh, what is that? Linux systems, system 76. Yes. Um, I think it's basically the same idea where the hardware is all or is, is available for you no matter what. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to support. It's, it doesn't scratch my itch, but, you know, it's yeah, out right, there if you want to do it. But, you know, if you're really a GNU slash Linux purist and, you know, if you want to be Richard Stallman improved, he's probably, you know, salivating at, at the corners of his mouth over this. Yeah. So. so Sony, uh, uh, North Korea allegedly attacked Sony. Uh, then suddenly, mysteriously, their Internet went away. Um, no, Nobody's claiming credit for it. Um, the. Uh, the there is uh, it is suspected that it's a u.s response to it but officially the only official u.s response is that the u.s has placed sanctions on korea whoa whoa yeah additional sanctions uh because you know we already had sanctions on them uh for their nuclear program so and here's the thing you know it's not even proven that you know okay i'm sure they they benefited and they might have wanted the hack but it has it is proven that it came from north korea but we're past the point in the news cycle where it can be you know like i say i could walk in tomorrow with with a laptop loaded down and show detailed instructions and say i did this here's the proof of everything i did this is the toolkit i use this is the social media but it's too late it's north korea's fault and nobody can change the storyline with something as inconvenient has the truth so i you know and again maybe north korea is behind it i don't know but it doesn't matter they're getting in trouble for it you know it's like the problem child the good kid can can you know kick the cat and then say the bad kid did it and since the bad kid's known as the bad kid he's going to get busted for it when he didn't do anything and and let's let's not lose sight of the fact there that what what they're saying here is we're going to already not do business with a company we don't do business with much and we're going to already um uh, publicly denounce a company we already publicly denounce this is this is meaningless uh sanctions yeah. are um the governmental equivalent of saying um you shouldn't have done that um and so that's <laughs> that's what the US has done yes we we weren't training with you with 99% of our economy now it's going to be 99.5% of our economy that can't trade with you so yeah, it's, you know, it, it's like we were talking about uh, the last show we did, you know, we can't really do much to the, we can't take stuff, you know, it's like the the problem child, you know, if you do that, I'm going to take away one of your toys. And if you do that, pretty soon, there's no toys left. And they're sitting, uh, they're sitting in their room with no door and a, a, a mattress with a sheet on it. And you've taken everything else. It's like, <laughs> you know, what else are you going to do to me? Yeah. You've already done it. And, um, so yeah, but you know, sanctions, woo. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
moving on, Apple uh, says their Touch ID is the most secure way to interact with a phone, and hackers say, yeah, so what? Most secure doesn't mean secure. <laughs> yes. Um, this hacker from Germany, uh, the Chaos Computer Club Convention in Hamburg, Germany, this Again. guy used a phone to take pictures of a German defense minister's thumb um, and was able to, you know, with a close shot and uh, some other shots and composite a picture together that could defeat the fingerprint sensor. Um, and, he, you know, he didn't need to lift prints off somebody. He lifted prints with his, with his camera. And it's not like this is some super secret camera that only the NSA has access to. Just a phone camera. <laughs> Yeah, this is like, you know, you don't even need the iPhone 6 phone, probably the iPhone 4, you know, or the latest couple of generations of Android. You know, there's so many megapixels in there and there's so much detail in that that you can blow it up to see ridges if you get a clean shot. And it's not like you to stick the phone right up next to the thumb. But, you know, you can be a few meters away walking by snap, 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 and then snap, snap, snap. And you get this uh, software to kind of composite one together and available toolkits that these aren't hacking form things. These are available off the shelf software. And then you've defeated the uh, fingerprint sensor. You say, "Ooh, it's only my iPhone. Well, you know, or it's only my smartphone. So what? Well, that smartphone has your banking data, but not just that. There's so many sites that use fingerprint has a method of proving validity to be able to enter. And so, you know, now you've just got to, I guess everybody's going to start walking around with gloves yeah. you know, <laughs> and then kind of take them off and put one hand over the phone and put it uh, on there. You know, and, and Apple will fix this um, and they'll make it harder. Um, you know, some of the, the, the thing here, you can have really good biometric security, but it's expensive. And right. Apple has gone for something that is cheap, Mass producible, right? So they're selling this, the, the iPhone for, you know, uh, $700, but they're making them for $150, $200. So they got to right. cram all that stuff in there as cheaply as possible. And it needs to be super easy to use. And touch ID is that you just touch it. Um, so they're going to fix it. They could add in, you know, pulse sensors and, and other things like that. They could, they could look at, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things they could do. Um, uh, but they're, they're balancing it. And this is pretty good. Right. So this has to be a targeted phishing attack. Somebody's got to be stalking you, getting pictures of your fingers. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they got to know which finger you use, uh, which is not too hard. They could watch you do that. So it, this isn't just casual um, hacking. This is determined hacking. And Apple's going to make a business decision whether they think this is worth fixing or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's one of those. If they do like two factor authentication, something you have and something you are, you know, some type right. of token. Um, anyway, it was just take the time to read the story. It's one of those. It's cool that the technology is available. Uh, but at the same time, it is a little creepy as well. So, uh, but it's one of those. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I mentioned earlier that Amazon owns me. Well, apparently they own lots of other people based on their recent, uh, numbers that they produced about how many people bought what, uh, during the Christmas oh, season, Lord. the holiday yeah, season. I, yeah. You know, we talked about black Friday by the numbers, uh, last show, but here is, um, on cyber Monday, Amazon customers ordered more than 18 toys per second, just from mobile. Um, 
the last order successfully delivered before Christmas was placed at 1024 PM and delivered at 1106 PM. The customer ordered via prime now. Um, that's just amazing. The one, uh, the main reason I wanted to talk about this article a little bit was that Google's Chromebooks are the second or for the second year in a row are the top selling computer on Amazon. Now, again, that's not to say that more Chromebooks were sold because like say number one is Chromebook, but when you add up two through whatever, you know, there's still more windows and more Macs sold, but the number one most popular one is the Google Chromebook. So, you know, it's one of those we've got kind of, uh, you know, it's always been Microsoft at 90%, Apple at nine and others at one. It's like, you know, there's like Microsoft is still the dominant desktop, uh, and laptop experience. But now in addition to Mac, you've also got Chrome. Um, and so there's more, there's like a more of a race now. Uh, it's not the one 800 pound gorilla. It's like a 600 pound gorilla and a couple of hundred pound monkeys. <laughs> uh, and then the last story, a company that many people have written off for dead is doing what looks to me like a last ditch effort. Kodak is going to start selling Android smartphones. Huh. Yeah, I don't understand. They're going to like be the ultra rugged smartphones. Um, I think, but yeah, so they've, um, you know, Kodak has been around for a long time. They didn't diversify. They, they kind of hung their future on photos, um, on printing photos and, uh, standalone cameras. Um, and you know, when that, when this, uh, smartphone overtook them, they kind of died and withered on the vine. Um, so now they're, they're trying to come back and they see has one aspect. They can license their brand name because, you know, like Kodak, um, especially with people a little older than me, um, you know, they're a really established brand and you, br- you bring certain positive expect or brand recognition is very good for them. And so they're hoping they can cash in on that. Um, and so you can get a Kodak Android phone. Uh, th- this is one of those announced, but, um, the, the first, smartphone will be unveiled at CES in January. And and then there'll also be like a handset, a tablet and a connected camera arriving sometime in 2015. They say. Hmm. Yawn. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. That's kind of a, a really low point in the show on <laughs> at least end this, the news stories on. Um, so let's move on. So speaking of a company that's mostly history, Seth, what happened this week in history? Okay, uh, January the 1st, 1983, ARPANET officially changes to using the Internet Protocol, creating the Internet. So, you know, Internet has kind of become a generic term now. It was a proper name at one point, and it came into existence in 1983, January the 1st. Yeah, so ARPANET was uh, largely, it was built by the Defense Department, uh, but by 1983 was Defense Department and lots of, of... uh, educational institutions and research institutions and medical institutions, uh, right. um, using th- like the Gopher protocol and all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, even before that, wasn't it? Gopher was built on IP. So they, they needed a unifying protocol and, uh, the internet protocol, um, was the thing. And so they, they flipped the switch, uh, and probably wasn't a hundred percent IP, but they started using IP on January 1st, 1983. Well, it's probably one of those they were using both and they made it official. Right. You know, and, and they waited right. because the new year kind of thing, I'm sure. Right. 
All right, cool. Well, that's that. I love that. Uh, those that's kinds of one. of history things. Uh, the history of the internet is is an amazing thing. Uh, you know, the end of years and the beginnings of new years. Uh, even though the dates are entirely arbitrary, somebody just decided at some point December thirty first was the last day of the year, and January first was the new. Uh, day of the new year. So it doesn't mean anything. I, I, I tend to poo poo New Year's Eve as the one second holiday. Everybody gets together and goes, woo! And then that's kind of it. Um, <laughs> it's not much of a thing, but it, it is a time to pause and reflect, right? And just think about the, the things you do, um, the words you use, um, that, that you didn't do in, in 2013. Um, and you know, the, I, Snapchat, was not a word that people use regularly in 2013. It was around. Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't as big a thing. Um, um, Uber or WhatsApp, you know, WhatsApp, you know, these things, um, you, you, you want to go, you, if you, if you really want to be stark, you know, you, you go back to this is the year, um, that, uh, Marty McFly traveled to in, uh, the second, uh, back to the future movie. So 2015 was where we were all, walking around with our pants inside out um, and wearing metal heads and stuff. So that was 40 years ago. Um, so yeah, 30 years ago, excuse me. So uh, go still, back. Wow. Yeah. Go back and look at uh, what's changed in 30 years. Um, it's hard to see what's changed in a year. Um, definitely. Um, I would not have been even considering wearing a smartwatch at the beginning of 2014. So a year later, I own one um, because and and as many people point out, the Moto 360 has a, a, a processor that it's a couple of years old, right? So I'm I'm wearing the best smartwatch of 2013, uh, but the the ecosystem came together to the point where it was worth happening, and so there's 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 always stuff that happens like that. But when you're moving in the flux of it, it's hard to see. But when you go back big chunks to 1983, all right, so that was. Uh, uh, 22 wow. years ago, 32 30. years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time carrying ones this, this night for some reason. <laughs> 32 years ago, we just started using IP. And now, uh, we're talking about, you know, whether the Atrix is going to be replaced by a combination of the Chromecast and the, and the, the, the phone. You know, it's amazing to me how far we've come in that chunk of time and, you know, to think, what my kids, when they're 40, my oldest daughter is 12. When she's 40, what is she going to be talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I didn't mean to wax rhapsodic there. I was just thinking, you know, this week in history uh, and this time of the year when we start thinking about history, uh, we are moving so fast that already at 42, I can't keep up anymore. Um, and, you know, younger kids uh, are are outpacing me in in keeping up with the new technology. Things come and go before I even knew they were a thing. Yeah. Um, right. And that's, that pace is just going to accelerate more and more. I'm, I'm, I'm the grumpy old guy telling you to get off my lawn. It's nuts, isn't it? When you look, when you look back at it and go like, geez. But my, <laughs> my mental self image froze somewhere around 24. In my mind, I'm still 24. Um, there you go. Every now and then I try to pick up something that I could have picked up when I was 24. And my body reminds me that you're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, I was watching an episode of um, uh, JAG. I loved the show, and there was a, 
uh, a guy, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but he, he was an old man and he was asking Harm, you know, you know, what does it feel like? Do you know what it feels like to be 65? And Harm was like, no. And he goes, sure you do. It feels just like you're 18. It's just your body's a little slower. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, and, uh, but yeah, because, you know, you have that mental picture of yourself in your prime. And once you know, you're open for most people at 40, uh, they're on the downhill side of prime, you know, and of course with proper nutrition and working out, you can make it a gradual descent, um, or, or, you know, others of us, it's like a cliff. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like, but in my mind, I'm still 20 something. And, uh, so yeah. It's a cliff that I'm Sorry. rolling off of having just come from an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's, that's right. the way I'm handling it. <laughs> Forget growing old gracefully. Um, <laughs> so, Seth, what have you come up with this week to decrease my productivity so that you are a more attractive hiring opportunity? This one has a lot of potential. Um, sfcrowsnest.org.uk. This is... Um, it's just a collection. It's for the geek in us all. They do like, um, book reviews, um, sci-fi stuff, reviews, DVDs, uh, mangas, anime, stuff like that. It's just a collection of articles and links, uh, from their about page originally set up in 1991 on the Apple Inc. online service, a pre-web bulletin board system founded by Apple, by Steve Jobs, Apple, SF, Crow's Nest is the oldest online magazine dedicated to such geek interests as science fiction, fantasy, horror, steampunk, science, engineering, futurism, and other worthy genres. So if any of those appeal to you, um, sfcrowsnest.org.uk, and the link will be in the show notes. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of scared to click on that because I don't know yeah. how far down the rabbit hole that will take me. Um, I'm yeah, you know, I, really I've already found a book. You, Seth. <laughs> I've already found a book I you. want. <laughs> I might be coming for your job, Chris. Um, the Alien Invaders uh, Resistance Manual is a book I might have to buy just uh, from I found it on here. Um, but yeah, all kinds of it, it's neat stuff. I came across this one, and this has been on my list for a while, so I thought I would share it with the world. All right, and just a quick. Uh, note of apology um i have dsl service now and as many people know when when phone lines get wet they don't work and we had a major rain event over the last couple of days and so my bandwidth has really sucked cheese tonight um and so chris and seth have been coming in and breaking out uh breaking up a lot ordinarily that's not a problem because i take their local uh audio and uh dump it in and you never notice it but uh my audacity uh session that i record everything on has crashed actually not audacity but the whole uh laptop has crashed so i'm probably not going to be able to do that so this crappy audio is what you're going to be stuck with sorry about that i'm going to try to clean things up as best i can uh but i i don't know that i will be able to do much so if this if our first show of the new year sucks um yeah i really won't be on that unusual uh, so just wanted to get that out there and also tell you, uh, how you can contact us. Uh, what, what did we leave off the list that you would have put on this? What did we call a failure that you think wasn't? 
Uh, let us know over at elementop.com. Use the contact us button at the top of the page. Uh, send us an email that way. Or if you just want to directly email us, you can do that at edl at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us simultaneously. So I can't filter like the evil big brother that I am. Um, or if you want to have your voice right alongside of ours, you can leave us a voicemail at 559-IAMOPI anywhere in North America. That's a free call. Um, or you can use the call us, uh, widget, leave us a voicemail widget right there on our page. Uh, Enter your phone number, uh, name is optional, and Google Voice will call you, and uh, you can leave us a voicemail. Those are all ways that we can hear from you. We like hearing from you, uh, even when you say bad things. Uh, we like hearing from you. Um, so we encourage you to do that. Um, that's all I got to say, Chris, Seth. As always, you are the best host that I can afford. Um, <laughs> listeners out there, we do this for you. Thanks for hanging with us for yet another year. We hope 2015 um, will be uh, the best year of the podcast yet. And thank you for hanging with us. Uh, and for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Weeks.